0: Welcome to Sports Talk with R and Jay. I am Steve Risser, along with Justin D'Onofrio, and we got a busy show today. I mean, we got the, more news from the Washington Football Team, more terrible news from the Washington Football Team. Uh, 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 sports are starting up again, and we got play, NFL players reporting to training camp. But we got to start with the sport that's uh, starting tomorrow, and that's baseball. For the first time in four, in almost four and a half months, we got team sports, and baseball begins tomorrow, and we got opening night in Washington where we got our Yankees heading down to D.C. to face the defending World Series champion, uh, Max Scherzer against Garrett Cole. You just saw the Joe put up the graphic. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely excited for baseball to start, and it took a while, but I'm, I'm just excited for not just baseball starting, just team sports in general starting. We got the NBA starting uh, next week. We got the NHL starting next week. Team sports are coming back. Yes, you got the MLS, but now major team sports are coming back. Yes, we've had golf. And uh, UFC, but we got the major sports coming back. They're finally here. We've waited four months for this, and I'm really excited. How about you, Justin?
1: Yeah, definitely. It's been over four months. I'm definitely excited. You know, I've been watching a couple of the, um, you know, summer camp scrimmages against each. other You know, uh, I was watching a lot of that last night. It, it was weird. You know, I saw a little bit of the Yankees Mets this weekend, but it, it. I don't know if it, it felt weird for me as team to actually watch sports like live sports again. It was kind of weird but it's great to have it back. I don't know if you had that weird that that feeling like me but yeah, can't wait for tomorrow night. Uh Cole versus uh Stras um Max Scherzer should be a great you know two of the best pitchers in the game. So yeah, you know, can't wait um finally baseball and they still get the kind of the spotlight here for about a week, not not like a month like, you know. They wanted to at first, but they still get a week in the spotlight.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's great to see that this this is, yeah, I mean, they could have had, you know, the whole month in the spotlight if they did this right, but they got the week. So I think ratings will be up this week and we'll see what ends up happening once the NBA starts. But we'll def- we're will going to start, we're going to get into our uh, MLB preview and we're going to start with our Yankees and we'll start with the, yeah, at least we'll start with the Yankees. And I got, you know, high expectations for the Yankees this year. Big, big expectations for this team. As for signing Garrett Cole in the offseason, you know their lineup is really good. Their bullpen's really good. Even though Rodos Chapman's gonna be out for the start of the year, their bullpen is really good too. So, but we'll start with their lineup. And I think this lineup is loaded. I mean, you looked at uh, you look at they got obviously DJ LeMay at the top, Aaron Judge, who looked really good in the preseason. I mean, three home runs, even though, you know. One of those home runs was when the Phillies got three outs. They gave it. They gave the Yankees an extra at bat, and, and he charged it a home run. But still, three home runs in two games is outstanding. You got Clayper Torres, who it was really between uh, him and Bregman for my uh, AL or NL MVP, and for my AL MVP, it was between those two guys. Obviously, you got Stanton. Uh, you got uh, Sanchez, Gardner, Yerchella. I mean. Uh, taunchman who i don't i think Toshman's going to say it looks like Hicks is going to be the starting center fielder to start the year and you got Luke Voigt. and if you and if you look at that, you look at this lineup i mean I, I really hope Boone does not break up this top 4 of LeMayu, Judge, Torres and Stanton i don't care about this righty lefty thing those are four great hitters at the top of the lineup you cannot break that up i don't mind you know then the five hole like they've been doing in the last two spring training games having Gary uh, i mean uh, Aaron Hicks in that hole and then Gary Sanchez at 6 uh and it's and uh, obviously the the bottom of the lineup he's had Voigt, Gardner and uh, uh Gardner and and uh, uh, shell. But here's one thing I would really want them to do. I think what I would do is just put Stanton out in left and uh have and Duhard DH. That's what I would do. I'd have Gardner at the lineup and have uh and DH and uh have Stanton play left field. That's that's that would be my lineup right now. But the way the way Boone's doing it, because I think he wants another, he wants a lefty in the lineup. He has Gardner, uh, he has Gardner. Uh, uh, he'll probably have Gardner starting in left field tomorrow night. And for the rotation, I mean, obviously you got Garrett Cole at the top of the rotation. You got uh, uh Masahiro Tanaka, even though he won't he won't go the first turn around turn for the Yankees because you know, he got hit by a line drive on July fourth by uh, uh, by John Carlos Stan. You got you got a uh, uh, J- James Paxton uh then then you got uh you, you got Jay Happen we had a rough year last year and here's the thing I don't get it all why is Jordan Montgomery not on this roster he pitched so well on Sunday night why is he not on this roster I don't get that at all I I absolutely do not understand why Jordan, Mount, Jordan Montgomery is not in this roster and even mm. Michael King's not even on the roster who yeah. didn't pitch that poorly on uh on on Saturday either I mean that's where they're going to struggle a little bit in this first week. Is finding is that at that four and five spot they'll probably start an opener for one of those games, and they probably will start maybe who do they start in that in that other game Jonathan Lewizica? I don't even really know.
1: Yeah, um, going back to the Jordan Montgomery thing. Um, of course, Joe
0: says they don't need they don't need a fifth starter right off the bat, and that is kind of yeah, true because they do have that off, they do have that off day in between. So yeah, that's what I, I gotta get that. that. That's not really yeah. true. that, yeah, the, that's what I'm that is true then.
1: Sounds like they're gonna bring up a you know, they do want an extra bullpen guy until Montgomery comes around, you know, till his start comes around and then they're gonna throw Montgomery back in the rotation. That's what it sounds like they're doing, which is fine with me. It gives you an extra guy in that bullpen for the first about a week of, you know for the first week of the season. Um, because he definitely did pitch well. Um, you know, that lineup, yeah, you know, when Luke Void is your number nine hitter, there's not really many, there's not many, there's not many holes in that lineup um Judge was playing well Stan, i know got off to a rough start i know he's so bad in that cap injury um i think that's kind of maybe why they had do have him out there in um you're know, DHing at the moment um you know one of the guys so you know our show is good so yeah this you know my anxiety definitely high and this is definitely a team that you know it's for the Yankees, it's been 11 years. We'll, we'll see. It. It's the last time, 9 So it's been a while, and I think this is a team. Now you add Cole, that mix, who's been itching to be a Yankee forever. Good. He gets oh, to make his yeah. first. You know, I, they're definitely high expectations, especially the Red Sox with that rotation are down this year. I know they still got a pretty good lineup. You got the Rays, who are always pesky. Um, but this is definitely their, their, um, you know, their division. They should you know They should be able to win this division this year. Hopefully guys can stay healthy. Um, but again, you know, they do have some other P like, you know, you still have Clint. I was um pretty impressed with Florial too. Um, you know, I know he threw he, he had a uh, nice throw in in one of the um team scrimmages, what um with their the inter squad scrimmages. So I'm just I'm very excited to see. I know, you know, no savvy, but you still got Cole, Paxson, um, Tanaka. I was ex- I was um I was very impressed with the way like King pitched. Um, Clay Charmin. And um, yeah, I know Debbie struggled the other night against the Phillies, but I know he's he's the youngest one out of those three, I believe. So I think he'll be just fine. There's a lot of hype around him. So yeah, you know, I'm really excited to see this Yankee team in this lineup again. It should be really just fun to watch.
0: Oh, oh, absolutely! It's this should be a really fun team to watch. I mean, the, the only concern with this lineup is durability. I mean, if you look at uh, Aaron Judge, I mean, he's he's been great, but the last two years, I mean, he missed uh, he missed uh, 50 games in 2018 and 60 games in 2019. John Carlos Stanton missed uh, almost the entire uh, missed pretty much the entire season last year, outside of the playoffs. And then Gary Sanchez. This is something people don't talk about as much. Is he's definitely had issues with durability too. He's missed 169 games in his three seasons. I mean, yes, he played in 2016 too, but his three full seasons with the Yankees, he's missed 169 games. That's a ton of games. So durability is definitely an issue with this Yankee lineup. But the but the thing is though, is their depth is outstanding. I mean, you, when you when you have Miguel Andujar, Clint Frazier, I mean, you saw Clint Frazier's home run on Saturday night against Porcello. I mean, you know, that was a shot shot into the upper deck of city Field. When you have you know Taunchman, and Duhart and Frazier come off your bench. And you saw the depth last year of the Yankees when they had when they had Sanchez judge and Stanton out. This team, this lineup is so deep where that doesn't end up being that much of a concern. And obviously in the bullpen, it's it's Chapman being out is a concern, but still, your bull, even though they lost Patansis, your bullpen is still pretty deep. I mean, with Britton, who's had a ton of experience being a closer, you got Otavino who had a great year last year, and then you got Tommy Canley for the seventh inning who had a good year last year as well. So and, you're, and also, you are gonna have, you could have Chad Green there, too. He, and he struggled uh, a little bit last year, but he got better towards the end of the year, and he was really good in 2017 and 2018 for the Yankees. So the, the bullpen is still, even though Chapman's going to be out for a little bit, it's still going to be really good. And the rotation, yeah. Us saying, complaining about the number five starter, that's really nitpicking. I don't think really anybody can name a number five starter, on really any other Major League Baseball team. So the fact we're complaining about a number five starter, about getting mad that Montgomery's not going to be, be our number five starter, it's really nitpicking there. Obviously, if they get this rotation set with Cole, Paxton, and, uh, and Tanaka, and obviously JA have to at the at number four, and, we'll, and they'll figure out number five. I still think the rotation is going to be really good, too. So, yeah, so the Yankees right now, they are my pick to win the AL East this year. They're, they're definitely my pick to win the AL East. And I'll get to what they'll do in the playoffs later on the show. But they are my pick to win the AL East. But we're going to shift over to, the, to to their arch rivals, the Boston Red Sox. And this is supposed to be a down year for the Red Sox. I mean, if you look, Chris Sale, he's out with Tommy John. They traded Mookie Betts and David Price in the offseason for Alex Verdugo. So they're trying to, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to, to, you know, cut payroll. The, that's why they traded Betts. They didn't want to pay him that huge deal. And currently right now, the Dodgers and Betts are working on a long-term extension. Uh. They traded Price, same thing. They didn't want to pay him as well. So, yeah, the Red Sox are going to have the the rotation, definitely a concern. But, obviously, the biggest strength of the Red Sox is their lineup. And I watched some of their game last night. You know, you got Devers, Bogarts, and JD, also three really good hitters. Ben and at the top of the lineup. You got, uh, you know, Mitch Moreland's decent. Jackie Bradley Jr. is pretty good defensively. Verdugo and Pilar will platoon. So this lineup is still, I think, going to be in the top 10 and runs scored. I think the lineup is still going to be top 10 and runs scored. The issue for the Red Sox is obviously going to be the starting pitching. Eduardo Rodriguez had a really good year last year, so he's definitely going to be the ace of that staff. Won 19 games for them. Did have a high ERA. ERA was about 3.86, but, I mean, he won 19 games for them. But the rest of the rotation is definitely going to struggle with uh, Martin Perez and uh, – and, Martin Perez and Nathan Nevaldi Navaldi's gonna be their uh, opening day starter and really you can't even really if you're not a Red Sox fan even name their number four and five starter so they're they're definitely their rotation is the biggest weakness come, uh, going into the season for the Red Sox and it, uh, it's, yeah so that, that's definitely one of their uh, biggest weaknesses and but in the bullpen that's they're still average there so and they they got uh, uh, we got Joe here back here, so looks like we lost Justin. Yeah, look, like we lost Justin. So,
2: so we were talking but about the red. We yeah. we're missing. They're missing Mookie Betts and Chris Sale way more than we're missing Justin right now. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a this it's a look. This is. I don't think this is a very good Red Sox team at all. Um. And and I. I think if you're a Red Sox fan, I think if you think a second-place finish is uh, a realistic goal, I think you need to look around the rest of the division because uh, I mean, I don't I mean, think they I, have the pitching. Now They don't have the pitching, but in a 60-game season, it could be
0: possible. But if it's under 62 games, definitely not. Absolutely not. It's not possible because they're – yeah, the starting pitching is terrible. I mean, I saw Ryan Weber pitch a little bit last night. He was okay. But, yeah, the four and five starters are just not good at all.
2: Um, I would even argue the number three pitcher uh oh, Martin it, yeah. It, yeah Yeah. yeah. Um, I think outside of avaldi and Rodriguez I I don't think you have two really good quality starting pitchers on the Red Sox and I think they should be really concerned about that we you and I talked about that a lot last year the whole situation with Chris Sale. Oh, and yeah. while the Yankees were going through all the nonsense with Luis Severino I said to you you know at, at least the Yankees know what's wrong with Severino Now, here we are a year later and and sales going to be gone for, uh, you know, the season and and who knows when he gets back next year. Uh, So that could be problematic. And don't forget Eduardo Rodriguez uh, tested positive for covid. So, you know, there's some question whether D.J. LeMayhew uh, makes opening day for the Yankees. I think you have to also be concerned about Eduardo Rodriguez. You know, again, we don't know much about COVID, Steve, or what kind of effect that it has on you. It attacks the lungs. Will that will that cause issues for stamina? And when he's your basically the ace of your staff, what what is that going to be like for the Red Sox this year?
0: Oh, it's uh, yeah, they're in huge trouble. If he, yeah, I mean, and he's not even starting opening day. Nathan, Nathan Eovaldi starting opening day. So yeah, the depth of the rotation is a big problem. But the only thing is, in a sixty-game season, you could get rotate. You get some of those guys in rotations to get off the hot starts, and obviously their lineup's good, and their bullpen's a little bit better because they because Workman was their closer last year and it's going to be their closer this year. So, and and so I think in a sixty-game season, they, they do have a shot to compete. But one hundred sixty-two games, this team would not have no shot to compete. Not at all.
1: Sorry, my Wi Fi went out there. Sorry. Wi-Fi. Oh, he's right.
0: I found out that Justin. Yeah. So, we, so, we, Justin, we were just talking about the Red Sox there. So, and I was saying, like, I like the lineup and it, the, but the rotation, as Joe was saying, was a little shaky. And uh, obviously, the bullpen it, it was better than last year, but it's still not that good.
1: Yeah. Their lineup is tremendous. They're be able to score runs. It's the bullpen and that, that rotation, especially if they're going to miss E Rod for the first. You know, I don't know when he's going to come back. Um, I know he's, yeah, COVID. And last night even, I know it was kind of, it's a um, spring camp game at the Blue Jays. They, uh, Ryan Brazier actually gave up the lead the ninth and last night. I, I, I saw, know.
0: I saw they were, they were up six, four and Brazier gave the lead. Yeah. But I think the good yeah, thing is this year though, is they have found their closer and Workman.
1: Yeah. So that's, you know, that's a good thing for them. Um, you know, cause you don't have stale for the entire year with Tommy John. Um, if that bull, you know, they blew a lot of games last year. If that bullpen can, you know, especially Workman, back end, Barnes and Brazier could get the job done. This is definitely a team that could uh, compete for the wild card and de- and even compete for the AL East. You know, they definitely have a shot. Um, but their pitching really, really has to step up and, and um, you know, pitch well.
0: Absolutely. My prediction for them is third in the AL East. What's yours?
1: Yeah, I got them third right now in the AL Gotcha.
0: So we're going to shift over to the uh, down to Tampa, for uh, talk, talk a little bit about the Rays. And last year they were one of the wildcard teams in the American League. I think they could compete this year. I think their starting rotation is really good. But a big problem for them is their offense. And obviously, Austin Meadows last week tested positive for COVID-19. Their offense is definitely concerning. And I think this will be off. The offense will be the reason if the Rays don't make the playoffs. That will definitely be the reason why the Rays don't make the playoffs. I really like their starting rotation, though. I think you know Morton, Snell, and Glass now are the the uh, are the best threesome in baseball outside of what the Nationals have with Corbin, Strasburg, and Scherzer. I really like this uh, this this rotation. And but there but there's three issues to the to the to the top three stars in that rotation. I mean Charlie Morton, his age that 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 could be the issue. He's 36 right now. Blake Snell, will we get the Blake Snell in 2018, not 2019? And Tyler Glass now. Uh, is he going to be able to stay healthy? So those are the three big question marks for the Rays' top three starters. And then in the bullpen, I think that uh, I think that their bullpen was really good last year, had a high bullpen ERA, but the problem is it struggled against the Yankees. So my prediction for the Rays is second in the AL East. Yours, Justin?
1: Dude. Yeah, I got him second. I got him going the wild card. Um, they really need Blake Snow to have a big bounce back here. He was not great last year. Um, Troy Moore was, really, was great last year for him. Ty Glasson was really good as well for him. Um, you know, I like the rookie, there, Brandon McKay, pitcher-slash-hitter. Um, I believe he's a guy that could really help out this team in the lineup and also, you know, being a fourth or fifth starter, even being an opener for him. Um, Austin Meadows, I know, is hurt right now, I believe. I don't know when he's supposed to come back. Um, you know, Willie Downs, I could really see two down. Um, their shortstop have a big year. So I definitely see this raised team competing and, and getting a wild card spot. They're, yeah, and they, you know you said it, Steve. Their biggest issue every year is trying to beat the Yankees. If they can beat the Yankees, they definitely have a great, great shot to win the AL East. But I don't know if this team's gonna be able to do it, I, especially with their lineup. Um, you know, it's a decent lineup, but can they outslug the Yankees? I don't know about that. You know, I'm not really sure about that.
0: Yeah, that's definitely gonna be a question for them. We'll head up north to uh, Toronto, talk about the Blue Jays. And they got some, a lot of the problem is they don't have a home right now, but they don't have a home field. They're going to probably be playing their games at PNC Park in Pittsburgh. But, you know, they got a lot of young players with uh, Boba Shett, Kevin Bijo, Vlagarero Jr., uh, Gurriel. So I I think this lineup has potential to be pretty good. The rotation, I, I I think the rotation with adding Rue, we'll see how he pitches coming over from the from the National League. He was really good with the Dodgers, but now he's coming over from the National League. Obviously, the depth of the rotation is an issue. I mean, Tanner Roark's average, Shoemaker can't stay healthy. Chase Anderson's already on the DL, and really in the, in the bullpen, they really don't have another guy behind Ken behind Ken Giles. Ken Giles is a good closer, but they don't have another guy behind Ken Giles.
1: Yeah, I think this is a team that's still a year away from really competing. A lot of young guys, even up in, in the farm system, especially in the rotation, they got a lot of guys. Um, they have three or four top prospects. Um, so I definitely think it's a team that's a year away. And just see how Rude does coming over. It's always a tough one coming um, to the National League, the American League, especially in the AL East, um, especially when you have some you know, great lineups like the Yankees and Red Sox, you're going to have to face uh, you know, 24 times. So. It'll be interesting to see this Blue Jays team. And I really worry about them now that you're not going to be able to like, you know, if you're going to be in Pittsburgh now for like a home game. So you're you're in a hotel now until September, you know, uh, that's what I kind of worry about this Blue Jays team because I was with, the, you know, I thought this team could maybe sneak their way into the, you know, the wildcard conversation, maybe. But now I don't really see that happening just because they're going to have to be on the road pretty much all year.
0: Absolutely. So we'll wrap up the Ale East talk, talking about the Orioles. We're going to talk about the Orioles, but Joe put up did, did a nice graphic for us, so we'll we'll discuss the Orioles for, for for really quickly. I mean, the problem with the Orioles is I think they're going to be worse than they were last year because obviously, unfortunately, they want to trade Mancini because he had, he had, unfortunately had cancer in the offseason. season. So he probably he's he's probably not going to play, and uh, and they lost one of their best. One of their probably one of their top three hitters, uh, Jonathan Villar, he went to the he went to the Marlins, so they won't have that. So their lineup really outside Nunez is, is a good power hitter, and uh Alberto's a decent, av- a pretty good average hitter. Really in the rotation, really all they got is pretty much John Means. That's it, and they really their bullpen's one of the worst in baseball. The Orioles will be one of the worst teams in the, in the league.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a rough year, and I know John Means already got scratched on Friday because he is arm fatigue, so he will not be starting Friday night. Um, un- for, you know, too bad Trey Mancini won't be part of the team. Hopefully, he gets better. Um, gets cancer-free. Hopefully, for next year, they still got Chris Davis. Um, still paying him big bucks. But yeah, it's gonna be a long year for the O's. Um, they're, they're gonna be one of the worst teams in baseball once again.
0: All right, we're gonna go rapid fire through the uh, uh through the AL Central. And my uh, my division winner is the Minnesota Twins. I mean, offensively, they. Have six guys that hit over 30 home runs. Uh, Eddie Rosario, Mitch Garver, Nelson Cruz, uh, Josh Donaldson, uh, Max Kepler, Miguel uh, also. Six guys that hit over 30 home runs last year. So offensively, they got a ton of power in that lineup. Starting pitching, I like it. I don't love it. I don't think they have really that true I, – I, li- I like Jose Frias P- – but he's not a true ace, as you saw last year in Game One against the Yankees. He didn't pitch well in that game. Oderisi is is decent too. So I like they got some depth in the rotation, but they don't really don't have that true ace. Then the bullpen is pretty good. I mean, they got Tyler Clipper from the Indians. I mean, they got a pretty good closer. So I mean, so the bullpen is 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 good. I really like their bullpen. I like their bullpen rotation's a little shaky. and I like their offense, but I do have them winning that division. Uh, coming coming in second for me is the Cleveland Indians. I think that uh, they need – offensively, they need a better year out of Jose Ramirez. That's going to be the key to this team probably getting into the playoffs. They need a better year out of Ramirez. Ledora, obviously, one of the best shortstops in baseball. And in the rotation, yes, a lot of you are going to say, oh, they traded Corey Kluber. They won't be as good. Corey Kluber barely pitched for them last year. So, I, I think that the that that, that the Indians – I got them coming. I got them – and in and, and, and the bullpen, Brad Hand is a pretty good closer. So, I like, I like their bullpen too. So – in, and in the rotation, Bieber and Clevenger had good years last year. Pleszak is decent. So this Indian team, I like them, I think, part partially because of the schedule because they're going to play the Royals, the Tigers, and the Pirates, to be one of the wild cards in the American League. Coming in third, and I really like this team, and that's the Chicago White Sox. I think the White, I think the White Sox are uh, – I think they're one of the best, most exciting young teams in baseball. I really like some of their, their young guys they had. I mean, Yoan Mankata. Eloy Jimenez, Luis, Luis Luis Robert, who I Luis Robert, who I think is going to be the rookie of the year. He's he's going to be in that lineup. Obviously, you got Jose Abreu. You signed Encarnacion. You signed Grandal. I think this offense is going to be much improved. I think this pitching, uh, they 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 Gialito had a good year last year. It did tail off a little bit in the second half of the year. You gotta uh, you, you got you signed Dallas Keuchel. So depth is going to be a little bit of an issue with the rotation and in the bullpen because I like Alex Calame as the closer, but they really don't have that much behind him. But I like the Chicago team. I think the Chicago team just misses the playoffs. I think they compete for a spot, but just misses the playoffs. But I think the White Sox are going in the right direction. And then you look at the rest of the division between the Tigers and Royals. Unfortunately, today, Hunter Dozier came down with COVID-19, so we hope he's doing okay. But if you look at the Royals and Tigers, those teams are not competing for anything this year. Justin, your thoughts on the AL Central?
1: Yeah, AL Central is going to be pretty competitive, um, especially between the Twins and uh, the Twins, Indians, and maybe even the White Sox. Um, I'm actually, I got Cleveland winning at the AL Central this year. One of the big. Uh,
0: it looks you like. Me? Are you, gonna, you good, yeah, Justin?
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, I'm good. I'm good for the. Um, I you're no, you Yeah, you're good. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm good. Um, to, You know, with Terry Francona, I think managing to be a huge part. I think Terry Francona is one of the best in the game. So I, you know, and I think now that you've got Carlos Santana back. I think it adds some protection in that lineup for Lindor. Cause I think Lindor could, if, if all goes well, I think Lindor could very well. I, you know, that's my pick for the MVP. I think he could kind of, you know, with a contract year coming up next off season in 2020, um, the 2021 offseason, um, I think he could have a huge year. I, you know, Kluber's gone. You trade him. I know, but he will, he's not been able to say healthy last few years. So I get Cleveland winning it. Um, you know, it's, just because, um, you yeah. know, I think they'll be able to get by Lake Bradhand in the bullpen. Um, number two, I got the Twins as my as another wild card team. Um, this lineup's so good. Um, Cruz, Donaldson now that they got. Um, I know they got Maeda from the Dodgers, but he's not been great outside of Dodger Stadium. So that's what worries me. So a little worried now coming over to the AL Central. I know the Twins is at uh, the pitcher's ballpark, but I worry about him. So I worry about that rotation a bit. And I think Cleveland, you know, and I think Minnesota is not going to be able to do enough to win the AL Central this year. I think the White Sox are team next year. I almost, I did think about putting them in the wild card. I really, really did. I think they're a year away though. Um, Luis Roberts, he's going to be a fun one to watch this year. Eloy Jimenez had a big year. Jose Abreu is a big one. It always seems like he has one great half of the season. And he really kind of just tails off. Um, They, you know, they, Make a shot at it this year. They really need him to step um, step up and play well for the whole 60 games. Um, and then, yeah, the Tigers, the Royals, not much. I saw a little bit of the Royals yesterday. They could not throw a strike against the Astros. So um, going to be a long year for those two, the Tigers the Royals. Yes, absolutely.
0: So we'll go to the AL West, and uh, obviously my division winner is the Houston Astros. I mean, you look at this lineup. Yes, all right. You want to say they cheated and everything, but still – they have one of the best lineups in baseball. Obviously, you got Altuve, uh, Altuve, Correa, and Springer, Bregman. Uh, you'll later on notice I have, he's one of he's gonna be one of my picks to win an award. So I won't, I won't I won't give it away yet. But I mean, obviously, and also you got Gurriel who had a big year last year. Jorgon Alvarez who's had a, who had a really good year, and also you got Michael Brantley. So this lineup is loaded where there's a little bit of a concern is with the is with the starting pitching and the bullpen, and and starting pitching I think could end up being maybe one of the biggest concerns because you know you got Verlander and and Granke anchoring that rotation, but they're both old. I mean, Verlander's thirty seven, Granke's thirty six. You do get McCullers back, which is which is which is which is good uh, at closer. You know you have. You have Ozuna, but you did lose Will Harris too. You'd still have Presley, so you have Presley and Ozuna in the bullpen. So I think the bullpen's pretty good. But We all know about Ozuna. I mean, is he, he reliable? I mean, against the good teams, is he reliable in the ninth inning? We all know he gave up that two home, two run home run to uh, DJ Lemayu uh, in Game Six. So is he reliable in the ninth inning? So I don't think this Astros team will go back to the World Series, but I think they are going to win the uh, win the AL West. Coming in second, who is and who is my other wildcard team is the A's, and I think they got the A's got some power in this lineup. They obviously with, with Matt Chapman, with Matt Olson, with uh, with Marcus Simeon, all had over thirty home runs last year. Uh, what they need in their lineup is they need Chris Davis to be the Chris Davis of two thousand eighteen, not the Chris Davis of two thousand nineteen. If they get that, they're going to be a, they're going to be a, they're going to have a really really good lineup, and, and I think that they have a, they would have a chance to overtake the Astros in the AL West. You look at the rotation. Frankie Montas pitched well last year. If Sean I could stay healthy, that's big. Obviously, you've got uh, Chris Bassett and Mike Fires in that rotation, too. So, and we all know Mike Fires is the guy who ratted out the Astros. And then in the bullpen, I mean, Liam Hendricks is a really good closer. Petit's a good setup man, so they got a really good bullpen. Got a rotation that could be pretty good. But the, the, the issue is, is can Chris Davis be the guy he was in 2018? If he can, this team could be a contender, not only to win the, the ALS, but to maybe go to the World Series. Coming in third place, I got the uh I got the Angels. I mean, I like their offense. I like the Rendon signing. Obviously, Mike Trout. Otani's gonna be uh, is gonna be in that lineup. The problem with, uh, with Otani is he's gotta pick one pitch or hit. He's got to pick one. He can't just be doing both. I think he better serves this team being in the rotation, seeing that the rotation is not that good. I mean, they went out and got uh Julio Tiharin T- in the offseason. They'll have Otani in that rotation, so that rotation will be will be okay, it'll be decent. And in the bullpen, Hanson Robles is a good closer, but they don't have that much behind them, so that that's a little bit of a concern too. So I think the Angels are a team that'll be obviously better than last year, but uh, in a sixty-game season, you never know. But I still think they're going to be be behind the uh, A's and the Astros in the division. And then uh, in coming in fourth, I got the Rangers, and I think they got some power in the middle of the lineup with uh, with Joey Gallo, uh, Rudnet Odor, and uh, Danny Santana, but. The issue is neither of them hit for average well, and can Joey Gallo stay healthy because Gallo missed half the year last year. One of the big strengths of the Rangers, though, is the rotation. I mean, they, they did trade for Corey Kluber. He needs to have a better year than he did last year. And uh, Mike Miner and Lance Lynn had pretty pretty good years uh, last season. The biggest issue, though, with the Rangers is that starting rotation. That, no, no, the biggest issue with the Rangers is that bullpen. That bullpen is a mess. That bullpen is one of the worst in baseball. And that's why, in my opinion, that's why I don't think they're going to be – a team contending for the playoffs because of how bad their bullpen is. So it looks like we lost Justin again. So I, I'm I'm going to go on to I'm going to go on to, to the NL East and, and start, and, and I'm going to talk about the Mets and the Mets. This is this is going to be an interesting year for the Mets. I mean, the Mets could definitely are a team that you know last year they started slow, but uh, last year they really really started to pick it up.
2: And we got Joe McGuire. got Joe McGuire right. We want to talk about the Mets. I knew you were going to talk about the Mets. I thought maybe I'd jump in right here. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Look, the Mets don't have any excuses. You've got a good young core of players. You've got a couple of really good veterans and guys like Robinson. You know, you've know, you got the pitching staff. You've got a good bullpen. They just have to pitch. Yeah, last and The year, Mets just have to stop crying every time they lose.
0: Yeah, last year the bullpen really struggled because Diaz was terrible. Familiar, familiar wasn't good, but you do add Batances. Lugo was good. They're, the Panets have the potential for their bullpen to be good. But it's it's it, we'll see what happens. We'll see, we'll see if Patances can stay healthy and uh, if, if uh, Diaz is as good as he was in 18, not who he was in 19.
2: Well, let's see how good Marcus Stroman is with a good team because that's, we that's, were supposed to believe he's so great Let's see what actually happens. Uh, I think the best move for them might have been getting Rick Porcello in that rotation. Uh, I don't. I don't like that move. I don't. I think that's a. I think that's a good four. That's a guy with a lot of with 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 a fair amount of success in the American League. I think that should translate into a pretty good year in the NL. The prop
0: of the NL, though, they have the DH now. I mean, yeah.
2: You Uh, you have the (laughs)
0: the ALNL debate with the the DH now. That's a little bit different.
2: Yeah, Universal DH, that could be a a game changer. Although, I I would still contend, Steve, I still think that the National League teams are virtually built, uh, you know, where, I mean, who's going to be the designated hitter for the Mets?
0: Yeah, probably Cespedes.
2: Sure, probably. You know, uh, I think you're going to run into that a lot this year where there's not enough Quality players on National League rosters to have a full-time designated hitter, and I we've seen what happens when you try the rotation. You know where you're mixing and matching guys, and I don't think that having an inconsistent lineup is good for long-term success.
0: No, and and, and uh, think at the you look at the rotation too. I mean, you look at DeGrom; he's never he's never faced the DH regularly. Obviously, Strowman has, uh, Matts has, and so yeah, that's just, we're going to see how good Jacob DeGrom is this year. I mean, he won the last two Cy Youngs, winning like 10 games a year, but we'll see how good Jacob DeGrom is this year. I know you've questioned DeGrom, but we'll, we'll definitely get our answer this year this, these, in these 12 games
2: that he starts. The most insane thing that will happen in the year 2020. Yes. And I think you'll agree this is a really insane year. Jacob DeGrom will win four games and another Cy Young award.
0: Yeah, because the ERA will be
2: under three. Yeah.
0: It's crazy. It's It's crazy to think that. And uh, if, if, if you look at the Mets lineup, you, you obviously, last year, I remember, you weren't as big of a fan of Pete Alonso as a
2: lot of people were. I chose this picture uh, for people watching the show because <laughs> I just don't care for that guy at all. I mean, he had a
0: great rookie year. I mean, yeah, his average wasn't great, but he did have a great rookie year. 53 home runs over under 20 RBIs.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, so far, would you agree too, Steve, that it looks like the juiced baseballs of last year are also back?
0: Uh, that potentially could happen, yes, yes,
2: yes, yes. It seems to me, just from the games I've watched, um, although weird with no fan reaction, it seems to me like the home runs are shooting off the bat. I saw Andujar take Cole opposite field a couple yeah, days because, ago. Yeah, because the thing is, is, the announcers don't think they're gone, but but they end up going out. Yeah, it's it's weird. You're like, ugh. Oh yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird way to, and even with the noise piped in, I, I still yeah. feel like it's, uh, it, it's somewhat lacking.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So circling uh, back to the Mets, we'll set Justin's opinion on them. We got Joe's opinion, got my opinion. What's your opinion on the Mets? All
1: right, all right, um, Mets. I think you know, I think you know, definitely middle of the pack again. This NL East, I think four teams can win that division. These the Phillies, Braves, Mets, or Nationals. So. You know, you lose Syndergaard for the year. You still have DeGrom. You add potance to that bullpen. And now with this universal DH, it really helps out that you have Cano, Cespedes, Dominic Smith. You can even DH, you know, Alonzo um, if you want to get him off his, you know, off his legs for a day. So I think, you know, it really helps the Mets in that way with the DH. I, just, I don't know. Again, without Syndergaard, I don't think that they have enough to win the division. I could definitely see them fighting for the wild card. Um, you know, I think they finished like fourth in the division again. I think it could be a very tight division, but I see them finishing like like fourth. Just uh, you know, I you know without without Syndergaard, it's it's tough for me to you know. I know you got Strowman, you got Matts, but I I still see them finishing fourth. But like I, you know, I would not be shy to see them finishing fourth, and you know, only uh, trail like. First, plays like four or five, five games. It's going to be pretty tight.
0: Yeah, the NL East is going to be tight between
1: all four teams.
0: But I do have the Mets coming in fourth because I I don't mind their lineup with Alonzo and Conforto and Cespedes is the big wild card if he could hit that's really going to help that lineup. But I, rotation depth I question. I like Degrom obviously. Stroman's pretty good, but Matt's didn't have a great year last year. Porcello I really don't like, and uh, and uh, Michael Watka, he has had one good year in the last four years. And, and the bullpen, I just don't trust it. It's got potential, it's got talent, but Diaz had a bad year last year. Uh, Familia had a bad year last year, and we'll see if the Tanzas kids stay healthy. So I have the Mets coming forth in the in the AL East. But going to the rest of the AL East, and we'll start with the Atlanta Braves, who are the favorite in the AL East. I really like the lineup. I like Acunta. I like Albies. I like the addition getting Ozuna. So I, and, and obviously Freddie Freeman. So I like the Braves lineup pitching wise. Depth or is a little bit of a question with, the, with the, but Soroka had a really good year last year. Uh, they got Cole Hamels. Max Fried was okay. I mean, Sean Newcomb has shown he could pitch well at times. And in the bullpen, Melanson's a decent closer, and, and Luke Jackson's okay too, and and uh, Sh- Sean Green is okay too. So the bullpen's decent as well. So I think this is the most solid team in the in the NLE. So I think they win the NLE. So I think they win the NLE. So so in the, the, the moving on to the Nationals, I think that the Nationals' uh, offense is going to be a big problem. I think that losing Rendon is going to be a trickle down effect because Juan Soto is not going to be as good. I mean, I think Juan Soto had a good year last year, but not having a protection the lineup that's going to hurt him. Obviously, starting pitching wise, their uh, their rotation, their their threesome with uh, uh, Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin is one of the best in baseball. And that in the, in the bullpen is a little bit better because uh, they got Doolittle. They added uh, uh, Dan, uh, they added Daniel Hudson at the trade deadline last year. And uh, they got Will Harris, too. So their bullpen's a little bit improved. But I think they come in second. And because they're pitching, they are my wild card team. Coming in third, I got the Phillies. And I think the Phillies made some improvements. Obviously, Evan Girardi as the uh, as the manager. You got uh, their lineup, obviously, Harper. They need Hoskins and Segura to have better years. Uh, Rilamuto is still pretty good. They added DD, As Joe knows, as I used to do the roll call, I'm not the biggest DD fan, but I still think it's a really good addition to that team. Uh, rotation, they need Nola to pitch better than he did last year. Uh, Wheeler is a pretty good addition. Uh, to adds depth, even though he's not the pitcher he used to be. And in the bullpen, uh, Nirlis is is pretty good, but the rest of the bullpen behind him is shaky. So I think the addition of Girardi and, and getting DD, I think the team will be better, but not a playoff team. Justin, your thoughts on the, on the, on the NL East?
1: On the NL East, you know, as we said when I talk about the Mets, it's, it's, I think it's going to be pretty much a four-team race. I actually do have the Phillies. Again, going back, you know, with me with the AL Central, needs, I think managing the managers are going to be a huge part of it. And I think, you know, and I love Joe Girardi. Um, I think, you know, bringing him in with Bryce Harper, I think he's going to have a big year. Adding Didi, um, again, uh, you know, um, it's a it's a nice get in the middle of the infield. Um, pitching wise, I, Zach Wheeler. I know he's not great, but he is used to pitching in the division. He knows all the ballparks. He knows the haters. So I think that's kind of a big get for Bullpen. Um, yeah, it's it's all right. We'll we'll see. But um, I, I think this Phillies team can surprise some people, and I think they can definitely win this division. Um, the Braves. I got him finishing second. Um, you know, I actually saw Mike fulton average pitch last night in the Marlins. He actually gave up three home runs and four pitch against the 8, 9, and 1 guys of the Marlins lineup. He looked a little shaky last night. Um, but with Kunta Jr., Freddie Freeman's back in that lineup. So I, I definitely think the Braves, I think, you know, I, I think they do finish second, maybe a game behind the Phillies. But I, you know, I think this Braves potentially go to the World Series. I really like their lineup. You know, um, you add Cole Hamels. So uh, for one year, I do like. So I like the Braves kind of finish the second here. Um, going to the Nats, I definitely think losing Rendon is a, you know, is, is going to hurt them a bit. I know they got Carter uh, Kenboom, who they're hoping is kind of be the replacement. He's a younger guy though, so you know we'll see. They have to close it out, but those top three with Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin are three of the top in the game. Um, so they could, they, you know, again, with those three on the mound, they can only, you know, they could probably score three runs and probably win the game. But um, we'll see, you know, Soto again. Um, you know, they added start on Castro to Eric Thames, who can be big plus, Um you know, VH in our, at first, or I think you can still even play the out, you know, outfield that they definitely have to. Um, but, I, you know, I have them in third. I just think losing Rendon's going to be a big um, – it's going to be – it's going to really hurt this team's lineup. Um, you know, I, I know, again, I don't know about the World Series hangover. It, it's weird now that you're in July, so there shouldn't be one. I just worry that this team kind of slows up, you know – Worry that this team starts out slow or slow again, and they just they're not able to rebound like they did last year. Obviously, with, with 162 games, they only have 60. So that's kind of where I kind of have them finishing third. But like again, like I I think they could miss like the playoffs by like a game or two for a wild card spot. Like you know, it, it could be tight. But I you know I think they finished third um, for the World Series, defending World Series champs.
0: Going to the uh, NL Central, and the team I got winning the division is the Cubs with first-year manager uh, David Ross. Uh, Obviously, you got Bryant, Rizzo, Schwarber, Baez, in that lineup with Contreras too. It's so a lot of power in that lineup. And then obviously starting pitching is a little bit depth is an issue because uh Kyle Hendricks is good, but Darvish hasn't lived up the potential since he's gone to the Cubs. Lester's getting old. So the rotation a little bit of an issue. And the biggest question is Craig Kimbrell needs to step up. Can Craig Kimbrell step up? Because if he can I think this team wins the division because there's really not a dominant team in this division. But if, Kimbrell can be a good closer. I think this team can win the division. Justin, your thoughts on the Cubs?
1: Yeah, the Cubs, def- I'm definitely with you. Kimbrell really struggled, especially in September. Really um, really hurt their chances of getting to the wild card or even winning the division last year. Um, they definitely do need Dar- Darvis to step up. Hasn't been great. Lester's getting old. You know, How much longer can you depend on him? Um, but – you know, I, I think there's a team that could finish in second. You know, Hayward's kind of struggled the last, you know. Um, Can Hayward be better? I think he's got – this is the final year. It's his contract. Um, they added Jason Kipnis after, your, you know, uh, Ben Gilbert is gone. I think this Cubs team, I haven't finished in second. Um, but I, definitely team that could win the division. I think this is another really tightly contested division where, you know three or four. Te- you know, three or four teams could win that division.
0: Oh, I definitely agree there. And then second, I got the your division winner. I got the Cardinals coming in second place. They couldn't watch the NLCS last year, but they did lose Marcelo Zuna. Uh, Carlos Martinez is back into the rotation, and so that makes – their weakens their bullpen. I do like Jack Flaherty. I think he had a really good year. Dakota Hudson had a really good year. But this lineup, I question. This rotation is the strength of the team and the bullpen I question. So I think this team comes in second. Misses the playoffs this year, though. I just, I just don't like the lineup, and I, and I question the bullpen. That's why I got them missing the playoffs. Justin, your thoughts on the Cardinals? Obviously, yeah, you got, got them winning the division.
1: Yeah, I got them winning division. I got um, Dylan Carlson, who I've, I've heard really good things on. Um, it's gonna be a big um, get for this lineup. Think he played first. I think he also he's an also an outfielder. I love the way Jack Clarity pitched last year. Dakota Hudson. Um, the worry for me too is that they did lose Jordan Hicks in that bullpen. I know it wasn't great, or it was you know last year, but a big part of that was Jordan Hicks. Do you know the former Yankees? Actually, you know surprisingly had kind of filled that closer role. They still got Miller in the back end. Um, you know, you still got Yadier Catch. I know he's not great, but I kind of you know Harrison Bader, young outfielder, Thomas Edmond, um, Dexter Flower, If he fowler if he could kind of step up um he was not great last year um 19 home run 67 rbis he was not great but you know he's a guy if he can play well um kind of towards you know of that lineup or top of the lineup at, you know lead off um you know kind of be the uh we guy. you know get um get on for guys like a goldsmith paul DeYoung. Um, Matt Carpenter driving in. I think this Cardinals team to definitely finish in first. I, I do like the top of that rotation with Jack Flaherty and Miles Mikolas and Dakota Hudson at, at top three.
0: Yeah, we'll see what we'll see what happens with them. So third place, I got the surprisingly. I got the Cincinnati Reds, and I really I like some of the additions they made, especially especially with their lineup. They got Mike Moustakas, they got Nick Castellano. and this is an underrated bullpen. know I, I man, underrated rotation with uh, Sonny Gray. I wish he pitched that way with the Yankees. Uh, you got Luis Castillo. Uh, obviously, you added Wade Miley too, and you got Trevor Bauer. So this is an underrated rotation. The issue I got with the Reds is their closer, Rafael Iglesias did not have a good year last year as a closer, and that's my issue, and that's why I don't have this Reds team making the playoffs. So I just don't think they have a reliable closer. But I like how they improved in the lineup. I like the rotation, and I think this team is close to being a playoff team, the best they've been in a while. But I just don't like the bullpen or the closer, and that's why I got them missing the playoff. Justin, your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I got them finished the third. I think next year, they de- this team's definitely um, a wild-card team. Um, I do like Luis Castillo. Sonny Gray has been a huge huge him. Trevor Bauer, I know he's a free agent this upcoming season, so we'll see if the Reds decide to sign him back or not. Um, yeah, getting Cassianos and Mike Musaki, or nice gets in that lineup, kind of help out Joey Votto and Eugenio Suarez. So, I, you know, I do like this Reds team. I think they're a year away. Just in such a competitive vision, it's going to be tough for them to break through. But, you know, you said it, Steve, this is the first time in a while that, you know, they, um, kind of get back there and they kind of have a playoff-ready team. But I still think they're just one year away from getting back there. Um, but so uh, I got to finish in third.
0: And we'll talk about the Brewers. And the Brewers lost a lot. I mean, they lost, obviously, Moustakas. They lost Grondahl. They lost Davies. And so they so pitching wise, they're not as good. Offensively, they're not as good. They're very reliant on Christian Yelich. I like Josh Hader, but they don't have that much behind them. So I think this team finishes in fourth place. I think this team regresses this year. I mean, I yes, see made the playoffs the last two years, but I think this team regresses this year because they lost too much and they really didn't replace what they lost.
1: Yeah, you know, behind really Yelich in that lineup, you really can't, you know, put too much any, you know, Ryan Braun anymore. He's getting up there in age. Um you know, uh Justin Smoke coming over, probably gonna be a first baseman. Again, could be a decent bat, but again, for a team that's gonna contend for a playoff spot, you know, you know, print out a guy you want kind of in the middle light lineup. I like Kesson Euro, the second baseman, the rookie last year. He had a big year. Um, I do like him, but that rotation with Woodruff after that's not great. And then how you know Josh Hader in that back end of that bullpen, but thing is you know, how much you know, now with having four months. Kind of delayed season here probably helped because they really taxed him last year. Um, so me, you know, it does help him. But one of the best codes in the game, I think the Bruins finished fourth, but I don't think they finished like nine, ten games out.
0: Kind of similar to the Mets.
1: Yeah. What?
0: Kind of similar to the Mets, where they where they're in a competitive division and they're not like really not far out of it.
1: Yeah. yeah okay. Right? Yeah. 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 Exactly. I think yeah, they're definitely gonna finish, you know, like six, seven games out, you know, third place. So they're not getting blown out.
0: So we're going to go on to the uh, NL West and obviously the division champion is the Dodgers. I mean, did they, uh, yeah, Joe put up the pirates, but let's be honest, it's the Pittsburgh fans are waiting for football season. They don't care about the pirates right now. Time to talk about the Dodgers. So, uh, we, we look, we look, we look at the Dodgers, obviously Mookie Betts. are, they're already right now. Look at, working on a long-term extension with him. You got Cody Bellinger last year's national league MVP. You got a, uh, Max, you got Max Muncy. You got a loaded, loaded lineup for, for the Dodgers. Obviously, the pitch, the rotation is a little bit of a question. Obviously, Kershaw and Bueller are outstanding at the top. I mean the, the the depth because they lost Rue. Price is going to sit out the season due to COVID so that's a question and the bullpen's a little bit of a question too uh, with with uh, uh, Kenley Jansen didn't have a great year as a closer and there was a reason why you know Dave Roberts had Kershaw win, uh, Kershaw in the eighth inning last year is because the bridge to Jansen was not that good last year but I still think the Dodgers easily win this division Justin I think you're probably going to agree with me here.
1: Yeah, I de- definitely and I don't know if you heard but it sounds like Mookie Best is good. They're closing in on a 10-year, $10, $10, 350-400 million wow. contract. So, wow. Um, looks like Dod- you know, Mookie's going to be a Dodger. Um, definitely, you know, it does hurt a little bit to lose Rue and Maeda, and we seen we've seen in the bowl, the pro season especially that bullpen has really been shaky the last few years. You know, um, but again, this, you know, this is by far the best thing at the division with that lineup with Mookie, Muncie, Justin Turner, Bellinger, it's such a scary lineup. Gavin Lux should be an interesting one to watch. Definitely think it would be first play. But I wanted to mention one quick stat that I saw about the Pirates. So Garrett Coles make $13.1 million, estimated $13.1 million. The Pirates projected starting lineup total is only making
0: $12.2 Yeah, that's why they're by far the worst team in their division. Yeah, I, okay? I that's they're why first. they're not even worth I mean, yeah, all right. Josh Bell had a really good first half last year, but they're not really worth talking about. That's a big reason why they're not
1: worth talking about. Yeah, I do want to mention that. I
0: thought that you, was you, all true. Right, you, yeah, you did get that in. I'm happy you got that in. So coming in second, I have the San, the San Diego Padres, surprisingly. I really like uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. I think he's definitely going to be their best player uh, over Machado and Hosmer. So I like Fertano Tatis Jr. I, he missed half the season last year, so I think this lineup will be better than what it was last year with Machado and Hosmer. So I think this lineup will be better. The rotation, Chris Paddock had a good year. And they added Zach Davies from the Brewers. And if Garrett Richards could somehow stay healthy, which is a major if, this rotation is, could be pretty good. And they got one of the best closers in baseball in Kirby Yates. So I like their bullpen. I got this team coming in second. I got them being one of my wild cards in the National League, Justin.
1: You actually have a wild card too? You got yeah, everyone's a- one of my wild yeah, cards too, I got, yes. I got it. Yeah, I, I like – you know because I think with the 60-game season, we're going to see something unconventional. Like a team that's not supposed to be here – and I think that for me, that's the Padres because this team was five and 45 last year when Tatis got hurt. And then they finished out 72 and 90. So they can stay healthy. You know, they got a nice lineup. I like, you know, Tommy fans, too, coming from Tampa. Um, Manny, of course, then or Eric Hosmer. Um, you know, you got Chris Paddock, who looks one of the best young, young arms in the game. They got a couple of guys out on the farm who are top prospects. I think like Mackenzie Gore is like the first or second top prospect. I don't think he's on the open day roster. He's not on the open day roster, but he's a guy. Maybe they add up later in the year. Um could be a big uh help in that rotation. I if the Padres don't get the wild card this year, I definitely think they get it next year. Um you know, so I you know, I'm really excited to see this Padre team for years to come. Um, but I, I think this team can break through and get the wild card.
0: Oh, I could very easily see that. So I got coming in third, I got the Arizona Dimebacks. And I question really the direction of this team, though. I mean, they, they, at the trade deadline, they get rid of Zach Granke, then they sign Madison Bumgardner. So I really question the direction of where this team is really going. I like some of their hitters, though. I thought Escobar had a really good year last year. So did, so did Marte. I mean, the rotation, and Robbie Ray, it, it, obviously, uh, Mike Leake is sitting out because of COVID. Robbie Ray didn't have a great year last year. But, and Bumgarner. let's be honest, he hasn't had an ERA under three since 2016. He's not the same pitcher he was when the Giants were winning World Series. He's still a good pitcher, but he's not a great pitcher anymore. So I think this team – and the bullpen is average. So I think this team is competitive, but I think they're you know, they around 500 and they miss the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I think this team's definitely around 500. Bumgarner coming over. It, it, that was an interesting move. I really did not see that one coming. Um, I guess he gets to say his own division, kind of knows all the haters, knows the ballpark, so I guess it's a huge plus for him um you know Mart- cartel Marte had a huge year really no- nobody really saw that coming escobar was big for him david peralta um christian walker is decent i know that's kind of that's their big replacement for goldsmith um if he can kind of have a b- bigger year better year um you know you know who knows they they battle for second place with the padres who knows cole uh cole Cowan coming over i that was an interesting movie more you know now with the dh it makes more s- it makes a little bit more sense because um he can be a DH. Not not great though. Um Bungartner up there in the other I I definitely see the team around 500.
0: Yes. And in fourth place, I got the Colorado Rockies. And the one thing I like about the Rockies though is their offense. I mean, obviously with Arenado, with Story, with Blackman, with uh Daniel Murphy, and they you know, they got a couple uh former Yargos on that roster too. I mean, Sam Hilliard. And he, he's going to start – I think he's going to play some left field for them. Start. And then you got Brandon Rodgers, who I hope platoons with Ryan McMahon. So you got Brandon Rodgers and Sam Hilliard. So you got some former, former yard goats. Could have some former yard goats in that lineup too. But the problem with this team is their starting pitching is not good at all. There's a chance to be okay because I thought John Gray had a decent year last year. And the only way this team is going to come even close to a playoff spot is if Kyle Freeland pitches the way he did in 2018. He had a terrible year last year. And then their bullpen is absolutely pathetic. Wade Davis was horrible last year, and that bullpen's absolutely pathetic. And that's a big reason why I the why I can't trust the rotation. Bullpen's terrible. That's why I got them in fourth, missing the playoffs.
1: Yeah, uh, you now I think this line this lineup's definitely be able to put up front again. But you play a course Field, so you should be able. to But you know, with that lineup again, if this pitching staff can be so more decent, I think this team could definitely get third place, maybe even get second. I know a couple years ago. Um, you know, they're, you know, they got the wild card. Yeah, they got the wild card there in the playoffs. So, um, but Black's still manager, but Wade Davis is old. They do have Scott Oldborg, the UConn, um, alum also back there. It, Cause I was a little bit surprised. I thought Oldborg was to at the, um, closer gig, but it's Davis who's, you know, way past his prime now. Um, had some good years at the Royals, but you know, yeah, they definitely, they need Freeland to kind of return to his, uh, Cy Young type of, uh, season. Don't think that's going to happen. So I, I think the Rocky do finish in fourth place.
0: And – well, quickly for the for the Giants, we'll talk about the Giants a little bit. For the Giants, I mean, they're they're going to be terrible this year. Obviously, Buster is going to be sitting out the season because of COVID. I mean, they lose Bumgarner, bochi has gone, and really the only exciting part of this team for me is Mike Ustremsky. just because he's Kyle Ustremski's grandson. He hit 21 home runs in about I think 107 games last year. I'm just excited to watch Mike Ustremsky play. That's it for this team for me.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be interesting, Ustremsky. Um, I saw Cueto pitch the other night in the inner squad scrimmage, and he he did not look very good. I think he gave a couple home runs. Did not look great um, coming off Tommy John. And the hiring Gay Kepler was a questionable um, hire, I thought. It was not great the Phillies got boot in their home opener. Um, so I thought that was a questionable move. Um, yeah, Card- I mean, the Giants is a rough year for Fran.
0: Yeah, so now we'll go to our uh, awards, our postseason awards, and we'll start with uh... – Rookie of, the, We'll start with Rookie of the Year, and I'll do mine in the AL and the, and the NL. I'll start in the AL. I'm going to go with uh, Luis uh, Robert from the White Sox. I think this guy's got lot of power. He had 32 home runs in the National League. I, know, I, mean, I mean, 32 home runs in the minor leagues last year, so I think he's got a lot of power. And so I think and he's going to be in that White Sox lineup that's going to be much improved. So that's my pick for AL Rookie of the Year. And for NL rookie of the year, I know the guy got set, got is off the roster now, but I think eventually he's gonna come back on the roster, and that's Gavin Lux. He's the doctor's second uh ranked prospect. He had a home run in his first at bat in the postseason, and I, I think he's gonna be the uh NL rookie of the year. Justin, your two rookies of the year.
1: Um, I got Brandon McKay from Tampa pitcher slash um you know hitter. Um, you know, I think I think too we saw a couple years ago, you know, the voters love to see this with Otani. So um, you know, like if he can come in here and have a decent year for the Rays, I could definitely see him winning it, just because you know it seems like the voters love this guy. But a guy that could kind of, um, you know, be an opener, or you know, and you know, give give him a couple at bats, two in a game, um, for a lineup that's pretty decent, that's decent, but you know, could add another guy or two. I like this guy in the National League. I get Dylan Carlson. I've heard really good things about this guy. Um, play first base, could play outfield um you know um i i heard he was looking good early on in spring trading before they locked it before they had to you know um before the you know before COVID and all that he was looking good um guy that could really help out in that outfield um can or in dh as well given like foul dexter foul day off i think this guy could have a really big year especially if the cardinals can win that division
0: my uh, AL and NL Cy Young, I'll start with my AL Cy Young, and it's Garrett Cole. I, Garrett Cole's my AL Cy Young. I just think you know he had a monster year last year. Last year's with the Astros. He was great. I think he's going to be great with the Yankees this year. I, I think this was a great signing for the Yankees. It makes them the favorite to win it all. So Garrett Cole's my uh, AL Cy Young award winner. And the NL, I'm going to go with Max Scherzer because even though the Nationals' offense shouldn't be that good, it, this should uh, – with the, the ground wing, the last two Cy Youngs, it pretty much proves to you that you don't need to win a lot of games to win Cy Youngs, and I think that's going to be the case with Max Scherzer, and that's why Max Scherzer is my NL Cy Young Award winner. Justin, your two Cy Youngs.
1: I get Garrett Cole coming over from the uh, Houston Astros, of course. Um, longtime Yankee fan again. I hope I don't jinx Garrett. Uh, you know, but you know the way he pitched last year, or you know his whole career, definitely can't wait to see him pinstripes. Um, he should have a monster year once again. And then over National League, I got Walker Bueller. Um, I think guy could step up now. You lose Henry um, and you lose Maeda. Now you have no price. Definitely, you know, I think this is a guy kind of after Kershaw leaves or, you know, retires, um, definitely kind of that new face of L.A. Um, he pitched really well last year, and I think he has another big year, especially in a division that's not great. I guess, you know, you, ha- you have the um, positive that we both think make it to a wild card, but in a vision that they can really kind of run away from. um, I think he could have another big year for the Dodgers. Yeah, I
0: could very see that happening and he'll get a lot of run support too, because that Dodgers offense is really good, but I'll go to my two uh, MVPs and in the American league, I know it's going to upset Joe, because it was really close between him and Gleyber Torres, but I'm going to go with uh, Alex Bregman of the Astros. I think, you know, in that lineup, he had a great year last year, had over 40 home runs, over 100 RBIs. He was the most consistent player. He stayed healthy for them, and he was their most consistent player last year. So that's why I got Alex – and, of course, you see Joe, so he put the boo up there, but I got Alex Bregman as my American League MVP and as my national MVP, I got uh, Ronald Acuna from the Braves. I think again, in a really good lineup, another guy who had over 40 home runs last year and hundred RBIs really young has a ton of potential. Uh, it's probably going to be able to stay healthy. And I got Acuna as my national league MVP, Justin, you're two MVPs.
1: Yeah. I got a uh, Francisco Lindor. I think if the Indy to make a run at the thing, Carlos Santana kind of now adds kind of gives them some protection in that lineup. Free agent, you know, in two years. So kind of another big, you know, if you can kind of keep that product productivity up, um, I could definitely see them, you know, awarding, or I could definitely see Francisco Lindor winning that award. Um, and then in, down in the, National League, I got same as you, Ronald Cunton, Jr. He just missed a 40, 40 club, uh, two last year. I know he got a, I think it was a shoulder injury that, um, kind of hurt his chances down, um, for getting the chance to get the 40 40 club but one of the most young i i definitely did think about Yo, I, I was i was
0: i was right i was so close to doing it, it it's really close it was I really close
1: take, i didn't know to take Cole I, I, and towards i'm I, i'm afraid of being a jinx so i only wanted to take one of the two and i thought cole is a better option um but Acuna, i think definitely helps the team get you know to a wild card maybe even win the division um you know one of the exciting, more one of the more most exciting young baseball players in the sport right now,
0: absolutely. So, we'll wrap up our baseball talk giving us our World Series prediction, and uh, mine is pretty simple, just like it probably was even with the 60 game season, just like it was back in February when the Dodgers got Mookie bets. I got the New York Yankees beating the LA Dodgers. What's your prediction, Justin?
1: Yeah, I get, the Yankees, I get the Yankees beating the Braves. I know everyone's got the Dodgers, so I figured I'd go Braves. I think if the starting rotation gets some depth and bullpen's good, I think this Braves can definitely make a run for World Series.
0: Absolutely. So it's going to be interesting. You know, baseball starts tomorrow uh, Tomorrow night. you got to get a 60-game season, so we really don't know what's going to happen. So we're excited for that. Just excited to have sports back, and we're excited to watch the Yankees and Nationals tomorrow night. But we're going to shift over to another story in Washington, and that is their absolutely – disgraceful disgraceful NFL franchise and and now they're, they're they're disgraced they've been disgraceful on the field with Daniel Snyder and they're also they've also been disgraceful for years off the field because on Thursday the Washington Post uh, published a story about how 15 women reported allegedly said they were sexual harassed while working for the Washington Redskins. And this is just an absolute disgrace. This is just an embarrassment to the organi- this is just an embarrassment to the organization to have this go on. In 2020, to devalue hu- human beings is absolutely pathetic and embarrassing. The Redskins should just be you know I mean I'm sorry, the Washington football team should just be ashamed of themselves. Daniel Snyder should be ashamed of himself as well. I mean, you heard Emily Applegate, she was the one that that, that talked about all this, you know, all this happening. She was the employee that that that, that spoke out which I heard her speak on ESPN. Just, she said it was one of the most miserable experiences in her life working for this football team. So it was, it was just, it just, it's just absolutely horrible. And I mean, as a result of this, Larry Michael, the longtime uh, uh, radio voice of the Redskins, he he stepped down. Uh, the Redskins had a couple of personnel guys they they stepped down as well. I mean, Richard Mann, who was the former uh, assistant director of pro personnel, he ended up he actually ended up getting fired. And I think the Redskins they had another guy end up getting in the organization got fired. Alex Santos, the uh, head of uh, – director of pro personnel, he got fired as well. So just absolutely disgraceful. And here's the biggest bunch of nonsense. To say Daniel Snyder and uh, Bruce Allen knew nothing about this is, 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 is totally is nonsense. I mean, they, they did know about this. Applegate worked right near Bruce Allen and was – and Bruce Allen heard her get harassed. And I heard her and saw her and probably saw her crying at her desk and did nothing about it. That is pathetic. There's a big reason why Daniel Snyder, you know, kept Bruce Allen around from being a terrible general manager just because he was in Snyder's inner circle. And for Daniel Snyder, this guy needs to, he needs to, he needs to, he needs to sell the Washington Redskins. This is, Absolutely pathetic. This guy is a terrible owner, probably the worst owner in the NFL. If you look at the way his team has played on the field since 1999, they've only won two playoff games. They've never won more than 11 seasons. They've never won more. Than, I mean, more than 11 games since he's been there for the last 20 for the last 21 years. The league needs to force this guy to sell the team. It's an environment nobody wants to work in. It's an organization where Daniel and, and to say Daniel Snyder wasn't involved, he is a complete micromanager. You remember the RG3 situation with him and Mike Shanahan and that that mess. This this owner needs to just sell this team. It would be better for the organization. And Ron Rivera came out with us came out on, uh, on on Thursday and said we are not going to tolerate this, this this behavior. And then of course that leads to Daniel Snyder making a statement on Friday after he ignored everything he didn't do any interviews with any newspaper or, or radio or radio stations or tv stations nope he was not available to the media he didn't even speak out he then releases a statement on Friday because there's public pressure just like in the name change there was public pressure from sponsors now there's public pressure so i gotta you know release a statement about it even though i let it go on in my organization for 14 years he finally released a statement said this conduct won't be tolerated where was this in 2006 telling your employees this? Not now, in 2020, when it's been going on for 14 years. Just pathetic, just embarrassing, and just an organization that is, is just is just absolutely pathetic. And, Justin, what are your thoughts on
1: this? Yeah, this is just uh, – it's just sad. This, this, again, just see this franchise just have another issue like that. You know um, – Again, I think there there's got to be a point where, because it looks bad for the sport, like it just looks, you know, like a like a black guy, you know, it just it, to the sport, the watch the Washington football team right now. Um, and going back to what you say with you know the insider, you know, pro, you know, um, I know they said right now that no, he had no involvement, but I don't, don't even tell was, don't
0: even tell me a no involvement. No, that's that's not. No,
1: yeah, I, I know. Um. Because I did see something in the Washington Post, another article article saying that his former president of business operations used to be a cheerleader in college. So I guess he would make fun of them. Used to make them um, do cartwheels just in the middle of the day. And so I guess, and it would make, um. his name was Green um, Greeny. I can't remember. I have the notes you know I had to move my seat so I don't have my notes with me. I know his last name was Greeny. I don't remember his first name. Um he ended up quitting, I believe. And then I guess Greeny would also because of this kind of got the idea. Oh, he thought it was okay to go tell his sales clients, you know, you could wear you know um shorter skirts and all and all that. So kind of so Dan Snyder kind of that's what I heard from it. So I guess Snyder could, you know, he, Greeny kind of thought, you know, he'd be okay by saying that stuff, which you know he wouldn't. Um, it's just, it, it's just so bad. And at what, what, at what point does Dan Snyder kind of go, all right, I, I do need to sell this team? It just looks like a giant black eye to the sport that this, the way this Washington team is functioning or is function. It, it, it it's just, you know. I feel bad for Ron. The guy hasn't even to, he hasn't even coached a game. The guy, the guy should get a race. Like the all the stuff that he's had to go, go through this off season and, you know, like for the 15 formal, you know, employees, you know, what, what did they go through? It just, you know, at what point does, you know, at what, you know, when, when does change happen? I I think at this point, yeah. You know, there's got to be from other owners or from Roger Goodell pressure for this guy to sell the team. I, I, you know, again, it just looks bad for the sport, it, there, you know, this team.
0: Yeah, there has to be. You cannot have a person leading an organization that's devaluing human beings. Yeah. It is, it, it just cannot happen. In, in the National Football League, we're in 2020. We all remember the George Floyd incident. I mean, and, and what's been going on in our country. You can't have a guy leading one of your organizations who's – treating women this poorly it just cannot happen and and, and the the, the NFL's gotta do the right thing hey, I know Snyder's gonna fight this because you know he's he's not a good guy and he's not gonna admit he was wrong he's not gonna admit he's wrong and he's and he's gonna fight this but it's just it's it's just it can't happen and I, I feel bad for Ron Rivera because he dealt with this in Carolina with Jerry Richardson. I mean not in a less in a lesser degree but he dealt with this in Carolina too. So yeah, Ron Rivera. He's made it clear because his daughter's working in the organization. He's making it clear we're changing the culture, and this is not tolerated. And I know with Ron Rivera, I get a good feeling that things will change with Ron Rivera. But the first step has to be Snyder has got to sell the team.
1: Yeah, he's got it, and you know they do. They have the right coach in there to kind of um, fix, you know, kind of everything, you know, locker room wise, and hopefully, kind of can help out, you know, be, uh, you know, in the organization. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, I just to have this guy so be—it just looks like a—it's just a giant black eye for this this Redskin team. I just, you know, I, you know, and, and even they're conducting like, yeah. I, As Joe know, says, I got, that Rivera he, will
0: change the culture. He,
1: de- he definitely will, you know. I and you know the one good thing Price uh, Dan Snyder has done is hire Ron Rivera. You know, he he ha- he has a great coach in that organization right now um you know and even for the players like what's all this going on like you know i, I know most of them. i kind of have do like like um kind of the, the changing of the name but to play you know even for like future free agents like who who would want to play in washington with all this going on yeah like um it's just yeah and i think they're in, like they're um they're doing their own investigation too that like Dan Snyder is like doing up selfers. like, it's like, what does that do? Um, I, I just, I don't, I just don't understand it. I don't understand how this guy still owns a team. You know, I, it just, it's just embarrassing. I don't know how he's not embarrassed by all this. Uh, it's, you know, it, it's, it's, it's sad, you know, yep. it really is. Yep.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with you. It's just it's embarrassing and there's just no place for it in the National Football League at all.
1: Yeah, you got yeah.
0: yeah. Exactly, exactly. So we're going to move on to uh training camp in the NFL and believe it or not, players are actually starting to report to training camp. Rookies did uh, yesterday. Uh you got quarterbacks, injured players report on Thursday and then everyone Reports on Tuesday and it, and it caused a major outlash on social media for a lot of NFL players. I mean, you had Drew Brees speaking out. You had Russell Wilson speaking out. You had a uh, Todd Gurley speaking out. Miles Garrett speaking out. Jarvis, you just seen Joe put up the put up the graphic with with uh, with Russell Wilson concerned his wife is pregnant and and now training camps going to start and he, they want a clear and uh, plan on player health and safety. And they really should before they really take take the field and 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 report to training camp. And and that's where you know I liked. And you got Mahomes saying stuff. You know, you got Richard Sherman saying stuff. Miles Garrett, a lot of Jarvis Landry. So many star players have been speaking out. And it was really a unifying moment on Twitter on Sunday to see all these NFL players have their concern with uh, with showing up to training camp with everything that's been going on. Because let's be honest, right now, I think it is a little bit too quick to show up to training camp. I mean, you've structured the schedule. They could push this season back. I think that would make some sense. I mean, I like what they did yesterday, getting rid of all the preseason games. I know it's going to be very hard for coaches, you know, really hard for for coaches to evaluate players without without preseason games. But, uh, admist what's going on during the pandemic, yet kind of have to do it. But, I mean... I think right now, and I think Goodell did a lot right for the agency and in the draft, but I don't think – and he did come up with the, you know, daily testing for NFL players on Monday. But I think the NFL is getting this wrong right now, having these players report this early.
1: Yeah, especially now you cancel preseason. I think you maybe could have waited another few weeks to kind of see what happened. But it's been great to see – you know, I agree with you. See, it's been great to see all these kind of players unify going out speaking out on Twitter because, yeah, you know, without – you know without kind of this plan of all right you know uh, protocols and all this yeah it's that it's so risky because again with now because it sounds like they're gonna have 80 guys in the locker room all season which again you kind of have to do because you could be missing guys for two weeks if they come down with this so it but the um the kind of that is you know 20 people could get it so you know right so Especially, you know, for like Russell Wilson, yeah, you know, if his wife's pregnant, it—that's the last thing you want to bring home. It's just, it, it's not good. It's it's good that they canceled the preseason. I I think again, you know, and I thought that would have kind of maybe pushed things back a few weeks, kind of going to training camp, pushed it back another week or two. But it's that's not gonna happen. It seems like, but um, yeah, um, it's just. You know, it, um, it's just not. It's just you know not really safe right now. Um, and with Drew Brees threatening football, um, they I could definitely threaten the threatening of football. I could definitely see happen. Um, it you know if enough voices get if enough if they wait too long for a protocol, I could definitely see something like that happening. Um you know because again it's just so risky and especially it's, it's one of your bigger names Drew Brees, too so if enough kind of gets behind it um it does put a lot of pressure on the NFL to kind of do this quickly you know they they should have they should have had this out ready before training camp um but they you know they, they haven't and they really need it coming you know very soon
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they need to they really the sad part about it is, is they had all this time to come up with a plan and they really don't have much of a plan in place for these players for any protocol for them to come back to training camp. It's just as obviously, you know, as we talked about breezes treat. I mean, the NFL's unwillingness to follow recommendations of their own medical experts will prevent will prevent the NFL. It could prevent definitely could prevent the NFL from even happening this season. So they got to they got to find a way to get this done. I mean, you got Miles Garrett, Mahomes, Wilson. I mean, J.J. Watt. They, they they want we want to play. It's all the hashtag. We want to play, but we want to make sure it's safe to play. So we just don't have guys continuing, continuing, every, continuing every day to get COVID nineteen, and then you have rosters that are completely uh, skimmed down to nothing by the end of the season. So the NFL has got to find a way. Roger Cadell, and he did a great job with the draft, great job with free agency, but he's got to find a way to make this as safe as possible for the players.
1: Yeah, you know, Reggie Dell's done a great job this offseason, pretty much up to this point without the, um, you know, without, without the uh, protocol coming up. But, yeah, and, you know, with all, you know, with the Drew Breeds right here, Miles Garrett, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, like, these are big-name stars. Like, these aren't, you know, backup linemen. You know, they, these are your stars, you know. These guys are, especially Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes is, you know, the face of the NFL. He's
0: still, Le- yeah, he's still, Le- yes, yes, he He's still LeBron James in the NFL right now. Yeah.
1: And if he's kind of coming out, calling him out, you know, it, it just looks it looks bad on the sport right now. And, they that de- you know, they definitely need something. And I think, you know, in the next week or so, maybe even sooner at, at this point. Again, you know, I haven't seen too many guys who haven't said, you know, that they're not going to show up or anything yet. But, again, that, you know, you can start kind of seeing that if, if guys don't know what they're going to be walking into training camp-wise. And you can't blame him. He, again, you know, who knows? He, you know, I don't know if you saw what Freddie Freeman said the other night, but, you know, one night his fever um, struck up to like 105 degrees and he and he was praying not to die. And it's Freddie Freeman, you know, one of the top third basemen in the game of baseball. So you know he's one of the best healthy, um you know, most, you know, healthiest guys in, in, in the country. So, uh, you, you know, you can just imagine one of these NFL guys getting it. It's just not – you know, you just don't know. And that's again, you, you know, I'm with the players. They, they really NFL really needs to get down to business here and figure out, you know, get their protocols in order and all this because, um, you know, it, it, you know, because the worst thing that could happen is like a Drew Brees or Pat Mahomes just come down with this and the whole thing gets shut down.
0: Absolutely. And you and you got options too if you the NFL. You can push this season back. You could still even play sixteen games and push this season back. because You set up the schedule. I mean, every team has the same week two buys. You could you could you could take bye weeks away. you you and I think I don't think teams are playing divisional opponents. I think in week two or three, I don't think they're even playing divisional opponents. You could even I don't think week two or three, you can even get rid of those games and play a fourteen game season. So there's so many options here for the NFL just to to, to get this right and not just not start September 10th not being ready you can start early October and make sure everything's safe and 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 but the but the thing is it looks like they're not pushing training camp back but if there's a lot of cases positive cases in training camp they may have to suspend training camp and then push it back to maybe you know the the start of you know the the start of September maybe start the season in in the middle of October so you got options Goodell's got options he's got to utilize them he's got to make it as safe as possible for these players.
1: Yeah, it definitely does. I'm, I'm totally with you, and yeah, you know, because they set up the schedule where it definitely could work if you push the back, the season back three, four weeks, and I, you know, and I definitely, you know, right now, I could definitely kind of see that happen. Now, I know, I think the what, um so far they haven't had a positive or it's been very few which has been good so far, but um when all these guys start actually arriving, things could possibly really change. But the way they did the schedule, I'm kind of you know, I, I I'm kind of leaning towards the way towards this season not going to start September 10th. Um, I think it's going to kind of start more in October, you know, late September, early October at this point. I just, you know, just how long they're kind of taking for these protocols to go through, and you know, I don't know. I'm kind of – I'm thinking more towards October. I hate
0: to say this, though. The way the NFL has operated, though, throughout this entire season, I know they've taken the preseason away, but the way they've operated, I think they're going to go September 10th. And they're and they're just going to go, and they may not even unfortunately care which guys unfortunately come down with it or not. They're just going to you know get other guys to replace them. Unfortunately, that's just the way this league, the league. I think the way the league is going to do things. I mean, that it's not, it's not a popular stance, but I think they're going to start September 10th.
1: It wouldn't surprise me because you know the NFL, they kind of think they're you know again. I know they're like the number one sport definitely, but they think they're way up here and you know, um, you know. So it wouldn't surprise me, but again. I, it wouldn't shock me, but the moment, like a big superstar, Mahone Breeze, you know, even though you got Tom, Tom Breeze gets it, uh, you know, they could be looking in some serious, you know, some big trouble. And Absolutely. wouldn't shock me. Go Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So we'll see what ends up happening there. It's going to be interesting to see what happens the next couple of weeks with with the players coming to camp. We'll see who doesn't want to come, what ends up happening there. But we'll wrap up the show talking, unfortunately, with sad news wrapping up the show with us with stanley stanley robinson and unfortunately he passed away this morning at the age of 32 as we all remember stanley robinson justin probably remembers well he was a yukon yukon forward from 2006 to uh to 2010 uh he averaged 9.9.8 point, points a game in his career at yukon averaged 14 and a half points a game uh in his senior year at yukon close to as much Kemba averaged it. Game that year, Cameron averaged fourteen point six a game, so they were really, really, clo- really close to what a Cameron averaged that year. And he was a draft pick of the uh, of the Orlando Magic in the two thousand ten draft at the end of the draft in two thousand ten. And he was a part of that two thousand nine Final Four team, which you might remember that uh got to the Final Four and probably would have gotten to the national championship game if uh, Jerome Dyson didn't get hurt. But sad day for you for UConn basketball. He was a re- he was a very good player for this team. He played for four years would definitely contribute to this team. So sad day for UConn basketball and for the Robinson family.
1: Yeah, um, you know, in two thousand nine, that kind of, that was kind of the really first year I really remember UConn basketball. Two thousand ten team, um, and, and Stanley Robinson, I you know, so far through my kind of 12, 11 years watching UConn basketball, I think he's the most he was the most athletic guy I've seen in UConn uniform before James Bloke night, um, you know, and I remember that dunk against Texas two thousand ten. That alley oop that I think it was.
0: Price. I were, were you at that game? I was at that game.
1: I was not at that game. I think I that I think I actually had my own basketball game that day. Um, and I I remember that building coming down. That you now um, you know that was you know, and, and that was great. Like, you know I remember him just catching lobs from Price and Kemba. Um, even again you know, a shot blocker with uh, Jeff Adrian too with the beat. Um, you know such a sensational player. A, you know, you probably remember, well, I don't know, you remember this, when he was actually, you know, when Calhoun kind of suspended him from the team um, for five months, had him go work at a, um, I read this article this morning, at like a factory, um, to kind of get his life, to kind of, you know, teach him how to grow, because I guess he had two young daughters, and he, you know, he was kind of struggling at that point. Um, you know, Jim Calhoun didn't want to kick him off. Stanley, you know, could have gone home to Alabama, I guess, but decided to go work. Um, try to you know turn things around, end up coming back, and you know it was great to have. I remember that 0-9 team. I thought they I thought they really could have won the national championship, but Dyson didn't blow out his knee. Um, I thought they really they could have won that thing, which would have been great. Um, but you know, Stanley, you know, so far in you know, my first 10, 11 year one of the most exciting guys to watch. Just you know, just how athletic he was. Fortunately never got a chance to play in the NBA. I know he was drafted, but he didn't play a game for the Magic. Played a lot overseas. Um, but one of the first guys that I kind of remember, one of my favorites. So um, it was very shocking, very stunning to see. Too bad. Um, you know, those out to his uh, family. And I guess his 32nd birthday was actually last week, too. So, um, guy we lost way too soon. And, you know, I've been kind of hoping that they put his name, you know, his jersey up in the uh, Husky of Honor. Um, You know, maybe they do it now. I don't know. But um, one of my favorites as growing up was watching Stanley.
0: Yeah, I was I was shocked when you texted me about it. You know, right before the show, you texted me about it, and he should definitely be up in the Husky of Honor. And I think they should put him up this year. I mean, he was really good for them. He had a really good se- senior year for for the for UConn. He was on that two thousand nine Final Four team. So I think they should get that done this year.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I agree with you. I hope they. You know, I hope they do.
0: Yeah, so that's going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with r and I'm Steve Risser. Uh, for Justin Afrio, I'm Steve Risser. And we'll be back next week talking about the NBA's restart in Orlando. Have a great weekend, everybody.